Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. What are we talking about? We're talking about Cooper Tires. We love ourselves some Cooper Tires. What do we love along with Cooper Tires? Well, we love the young talent on the road to Indy using those Cooper Tires to propel themselves towards a hopeful career championship winning life in the NTT IndyCar Series. And who do we have on the line? Oh, someone who I think is going to be propelling himself quite well. Linus Lundqvist, how are you, my man? You're uh, you're kicking a lot of butt so far this year. I love what I'm seeing. Tell me about this launch from Formula Regional Americas with the uh, GRG HMD. There may be some other acronyms we should throw in there. Uh, ABC, EFG, anyways. Tell me about this move from Formula Regional Americas to Indy Lights, because at least from the outside... Boy, looks like you're picking this stuff up pretty quickly. Yeah. Firstly, thanks very much for having me. Good to chat to you, Marshall. Um, and uh, yeah, like you say, the step from um, from the regional Americas last year to to Indian Lights this year, it's it's quite a big step. Um, and it seems that we picked up not where we left off last year, but obviously right in the mix where we wanted to be as well. Um, but I will say this that it took a few laps to to get along with this car and get used to the speeds and um and the downforce and just how to drive this car is very very different to uh, how you would drive the the formula regional car but like you say with the team that we have with grg and global racing group with hmd um the good thing was that some of the guys that i had with me last year with global came along with me for in the last this year and then obviously a lot of new guys that had tons of experience doing the in the last championship from HMD, uh, which is a very good thing. So I think it was more or less the perfect marriage, uh, at least from, from my point of view. So I want to bounce around to a couple of different things, Linus. Maybe you mentioned the vehicle side. Watching your progress, you coming up the European racing ladder, uh, driving a good variety of things, getting in the mix in a number of different championships, uh, British and being in England as well, certainly going to help strengthen your skill set. Looking at what you've had here so far in, in the U.S., you know, not being disrespectful to the other drivers, but you kind of mopped the floor with most of them last year. So not saying there wasn't opposition, just saying that you really stood out as the guy kicking ass and taking names. Tell me about the getting settled in indie lights, getting settled against some really stiff opposition. No one's making it easy on you. Your teammate, David Malukas, is certainly not. He lo- he loves you. He just doesn't want you to be the indie lights champion. Um, <laughs> tell me about this progression, though, from a vehicle standpoint and also a uh, a driver talent standpoint, because you've got a lot of folks who are pushing back really hard and making life harder on you. I would have to imagine both on the the car side and the the uh, opposition side, both areas are, are big learning opportunities and making you a lot better every time you're in the car. Yeah, um, like you say, it was a big step from from last last year, both car wise and vehicle wise, but also obviously the the other opponents and the other drivers, and you realize. You know, now we're we are just below IndyCar, so obviously the drivers that you're going up against are some are some of the best in the country, some of the best in the world, actually. Um, which is cool to think about that this is the level that we're at, um, and that we've even come to this point that I am 
racing in Indy Lights and fighting for a championship. Um, but it's also where I think that we belong. Um, but compared to last year, obviously the car is very, very different, both with the speed and the, the amount of grip that you have, but also fundamentally how you drive it and how you extract the lap time out of it is very, very different because in the lights car, as I think a little bit in the Indy car as well, <laughs> we can see that on the onboards, you really have to fight it. Um, and it's doing all kinds of things with understeer and oversteer in the same, same corner, um, <laughs> which doesn't really make sense, but that is how you have to drive it, really push it to the limit. Um, and it's a little bit the same with the lights car where you really have to drive the car. Um, you can't be under the limit because then you're going to be too slow. You, you have to be, you know, one or 2% over the limit to be fast in it. Um, which wasn't really the case with, with last year's car. Um, but I think like you mentioned with the, with David, uh, Malukas, my teammate also being in the team and, Obviously, he has um, a fair bit of experience in the lights car, which is good as well, because obviously it helps the team going forward. Um, and I think us pushing each other as well has really helped the team. And I think we, we've showed that winning, I think, five out of the first six races um, as a team. And obviously, we, we, we're trying to keep that momentum going. But we also know that it's going to be a tough and long season. So trying to keep our heads down and win as many races as we can. And that's been one of the, the great angles so far of this season, not necessarily for the Andretti Autosport team, but uh, <laughs> like many, just based on history, you look at what Andretti Autosport did the last two Indy Light seasons, obviously sending Pato Award and Oliver Askew to IndyCar as champions, Colton Herta also, don't know if you've heard of him, he's done okay. Um, you know, the Andretti <laughs> team, yeah, eh, he might, if he works harder, he might make something out of himself, Linus. Uh, but if you look at the Andretti team, you go, hey, 2018, 2019 in particular, boy, uh, nobody could handle those guys. We missed the 2020 season, but wouldn't be strange to expect them to come out punching and maintain that superiority Spoke with uh, general manager Mike Marini, who did a little story, gave some, I think, some good insights. Um, but would love to hear from your side of what this team is doing that feels right, looks right, looks impressive. I know you haven't driven for the other teams you're going up against, so you can't really compare and contrast. But maybe you could at least tell us about some of the unique things you're seeing that go, oh, uh, all right, that's why the, the many reasons we're doing so well. I think honestly, it's it's the bigger picture, um, the way that this team really thinks about the bigger picture, and I think, like you mentioned when you spoke with Mike as well, I think he painted the picture quite clearly that they want to aim to be as as the best as they possibly could be, um, and you could you could sort of get that vibe throughout the winter as well, um, and obviously, whenever you go into the workshop, you see the guys working so hard and. And it's, it's flat out all the time. And even, say, after these first three weekends, obviously we had, we've had we had a really good start to the season, but you can really see that no one is slowing down. It's more or less the, the other way around. It's when you see the other guys get a bit closer, then we find even more motivation to try to improve and make sure that we can come out on top. Um, so I think it's not just one area where we're really strong. It's the whole package. And Obviously, you know, we're trying to make the best that we can on the car and make everything run as good as we possibly can, but also look nice. You know, we, we they spend time and effort to make sure that we look professional, not the tuggers and the, the tent and everything, that it looks nice because 
you know, it's about the bigger picture. And um, I think that what really, really are showing on track as well. But obviously, it means that us drivers have to perform as well, um, which I think uh, that we're, um, that we're doing at the moment. Let's talk about one area that's a little bit different for you and the rookies and Indy Lights this year. And that is, you're not doing a lot of oval racing. You're not doing mm-hmm. a lot of oval testing. Granted, if we look at IndyCar, we could say, hey, Alex Pelot, when he got here last year, he'd never seen an oval in his life, never turned a yeah. lap ever, did his first laps in an IndyCar, made the fast nine at the Indy 500 as a rookie, did it again this year, finished second. You can run down the list as well. Uh, some of your countrymen, uh, there's a lot of folks where you could say, Maybe not everybody had a ton of oval experience before they got to IndyCar. Usually, though, for those who are going up the road to Indy ladder, and especially in Indy Lights, Linus, we can say, yeah, you will have done uh, enough at least to feel comfortable. What are your thoughts there, knowing that Gateway, you know, Madison, Illinois, Worldwide Technologies Raceway is going to be the place where you kind of get it all at once this year? Are you doing other things? I don't know if it's simulator time. I don't know if you go out in the backyard and run around in circles. I don't know what you're doing, (laughs) but what are you trying to do to build up something you're not getting a ton of this year in the championship? Um, Like you say, that is probably, it's definitely going to be my biggest challenge this year, I think. It's going to be Gateway in the Oval just to see how it is because I've never done one. And I think it's difficult to even imagine what it would be like. Obviously, you tried to do your time in the simulator and obviously you try to talk to as many people as you possibly can to get some insights and trying to come prepared but i think until you do a lap of it yourself it's difficult to really understand <laughs> what what they're talking about and really relate to it um so it's going to be tricky um luckily we do get um some days of testing prior to it which <laughs> which will be nice because that's that's another thing that has been challenging for me um, is that out of this these tracks that we're going to, I've only raced at two of them before, uh, which was Barber and um, and then coming up to Mid Ohio. All of the other ones are new ones for me. So um, take in the GP for for example, you we only had the the Thursday practice, which was three sessions, and then straight into qualifying. Um, so obviously that's always tough. But then going into a track gateway and an oval that I've never done before. That's definitely going to be a challenge. You mentioned one of the parts that I hope others are realizing is impressive. And that is, yes, you did formula regional Americas last year and you kicked a lot of butt and you won the title. You did all great stuff. That wasn't on the road. Indy. that wasn't a part of the established circuit layout where you're visiting the majority of the tracks you'll visit, hopefully, when you get to IndyCar. You're finding that now in Indy Lights. It's maybe another question of preparation. You can, I'm sure, spend lots of time on iRacing or elsewhere learning Belle Isle, where you're going next in Detroit, or mm-hmm. this, that, and the other. How much time are you spending there? How intensive is that? Have your eyes fallen out the back of your head from all the in-car footage you've been watching from various series at all these places? Just curious what it's like for someone like yourself who wants to dominate but has to do a lot of that prep virtually. Yeah, um, and I'm I'm maybe not the biggest fan of simulators. Um, I 
I do appreciate what it can do, um, especially at tracks that you've never been, never been before. So you can get a feel for it on how, how it flows, etc. But that when once you've learned the track and you've done a couple of hours on it, I, I don't really see the benefit of keep pounding and pounding uh, unless you enjoy it. Um, so apart from that, obviously, I find it more more beneficial to just study data and maybe go through, you know, different strategies that you can play out during the weekend or, or learn from whatever race week that, that we just had. Um, because at the end of the day, I mean, no matter what car or what circuit you're in, the basics are the same. You know, you want to go as fast as you possibly can and you got a car to do with. Um, so it's, uh, obviously you come as well prepared as you possibly can, but um, I try not to overthink it either, um, because it's, uh, like I said, at the end of the day, it's, it's the same basics. It's just a different venue. I love it. Let's close on one or two other topics here, Linus, maybe getting to know the people you want to know. I don't know if you have a manager or someone who's helping you through this hopeful long-term American open wheel journey, but you have had the chance so far to go to a number of events with the road to Indy taking part in IndyCar weekends. It's still early in the year, but have you had a chance, whether it's just a walk over on your own on pit lane or to a garage and say, hi, Mr. Penske. Hi, Mr. Ganassi. Hi, Mr. So-and-so curious how that process has been going, or if you're going to start doing that, because I'm sure as you know, you can do wonderful things on the road to Indy, but if you don't build those direct relationships with people, it's only going to make your job harder to get to the top. Yep, you're absolutely right. But I think that's the good thing of being on the road to Indy. Like you say, you know, you can more or less uh, <laughs> walk down pit lane and, and, and introduce yourself to these teams. So that's definitely something that I have, um, I've, I've, I have done that, put it that way, and just made sure that they're aware of my name. And then obviously it's it's down to the results at the end of the day because I don't want a team to be interested in me for other than my results. But obviously, you know, if you have the results to back it up, then the introduction <laughs> makes things easier as well. So um, obviously the best thing and what I want to do is do the talking on track. But like you say, even if you're fast, if you don't have the relationship with a team or different teams, then it's it's going to be tough to, to even get into IndyCar. But obviously, if you have the results, then that makes things easier as well. So I would say it's it's the fine line, but um, that's definitely the good thing of being on the road to Indy. Why don't we finish here? You're sitting second in points. We'll see how, obviously, the uh, the season ends up. But you, I would say, have made a really strong impression already. I would hope there are plenty of IndyCar team owners keeping an eye on you, your teammate David Malukas, Kyle Kirkwood, of course, doing well at Andretti and third in the standings. You know, Toby Sowery is someone who I think they should be looking at a lot. There are a lot of young, talented drivers like yourself in Indy Light, so that's been awesome about the uh, series restarting here in 2021, but what are the things you're hoping to do for the rest of the year? I know we could say the obvious, right? Every pole, every fastest lap, every win. But beyond that, what are the things, are there statements you hope to make? Are the things you hope to do that will get the attention of IndyCar team owners, IMSA team owners? I don't know, but what's a, 
what's your hope or goal for how to close out this season and what are the effects you're hoping to create? I think, like I say, the obvious one is to win every race and have every pole. But I think just looking at the beginning of the season or up to this season so far, I think we've showed that, you know, we have the pace to, to get poles and to win races. I think the target is for me to be able to win the championship. We need to minimize the lows and make sure that, you know, if, if we're fast enough to be second on the day, then make sure that we're second on the day. You know, if you can't win, then you've got to be second. If you can't be second, you've got to be third. Um, so I think more of that mindset going forward, uh, and to, to win, um, every time we have the possibility to, um, cause I think that is how you win a championship at the end of the day to make sure that you're always there or thereabouts. So I think that, that is, um, you know, the target going forward. Um, you know, if, if we look at how the first three uh, weekends have done, uh, gone so far. I think we're, uh, we're finished here, Linus. And I, I don't know if you noticed, not that it matters, but. Uh, we didn't mention uh, those other Swedish drivers in IndyCar. Not because we don't love them, but you're your own man. So yeah. let's just celebrate you as I, a, I appreciate that. Thank you. Well, let's just celebrate you as being your own badass Swedish race car driver. And it's awesome that there are others in IndyCar. But they should know that although you're a very nice young lad and were raised very well by amazing parents, want to kick their asses too so we're just going to celebrate you as your own man Linus. so keep doing uh keep doing the work you're doing can't wait to see how the season ends up and you know i can't predict the future but if you're not in indycar next year or the year after uh there's something wrong with the universe <laughs> thanks very much i appreciate that um yeah i do uh do hope to see uh, to see you out on track some at some point as well amen Well, next on the Cooper Tires social media fun tour, who do we have? Oh, we have the guy who just put the smack down on everyone at the track. My heart, I always call IRP, but Lucas Oil Raceway. Holy cow, Michael D'Orlando. If you're wanting to make a statement to those, there was some race they had recently in Indian, I think it the 500 or something like that they call it uh if you want to tell folks at the 500 that you've got some skills they should consider you do it the road to indy you do it at lucas oil raceway park and you do it by kicking some behind uh in that beautiful showcase there as you did in usf 2000 tell me about this michael because you're wanting to get your name out there get it known this is an event each year that there's a lot of spotlights on, a lot of folks looking into, and you did it. What can I, what else can I say other than that? It was an incredible race. Um, led every single lap, put it on a pole, and then led every single lap, the whole 75. And it was such a phenomenal race. Um, granted, it wasn't, wasn't easy. We had a, the driver Prescott behind me, but made it really difficult. But I led every lap, held on to it, and it's such an awesome feeling. And... Even though for it's a track that's only 22 second laps, 75, uh, 70 seconds, sorry, 22 seconds. Um, the 75 lap race feels like it's so long, anyways. And that's just, it was such an awesome race. I don't, I don't really have any other words to say because it's so like, <laughs> it's so exciting, honestly. Well, the other thing too is hey, it wasn't just a normal 75 lapper. Um, Mother Nature said, yeah, hey, what say we uh, we monkey this up a little bit? So 
you had to uh you had to recalibrate yourself as did the entire field but you had to put in some extra work to effectively race twice to get the single win (laughs) yeah 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 for sure um that friday we were supposed to race on at 7 p.m on that friday but it got rained out and we we stayed until like 10 30 trying to figure out what was happening that that night indie pros going out ahead of us they did they did like six or seven safety car laps just driving around and until they called it off and we're just waiting there waiting for our race to go and we're and late at night they just said all right we're just going to move it to um that saturday at 11:45. and i mean it was i mean the whole day we're just sitting there all nervous all like anxious to get into the car and then we just call it off so yeah mother nature didn't really uh work out um uh, didn't really give us the time to race on that friday and yeah it was it was really difficult sitting through a whole day of not driving and then having to go out in that morning and perform and i'm sure everyone else was in the same boat but yeah, their was, boats were behind you that's what we know you all were in boats after the rain you you took your boat home first so that we yeah. can say yes i did <laughs> so you're with the rather awesome there you know there are some ogs of junior open wheel with the uh kate motorsports team so not your first go round in usf 2000 obviously last year a uh a, a solid uh run and debut and such got that victory at mid ohio opening to this year michael i i don't want to put words in your mouth but i know i would think it hasn't been everything you had envisioned for the open to the season you could just corrected that obviously uh with your right. with your most recent win but tell tell us about that right you have a good what you were fourth i think in usf 2000 last year fourth yep, in the fourth standings let folks know that if you're coming back, you're definitely going to be a title contender. You come back, opening to the season hasn't been super friendly. Tell us about dealing with that and trying to get that corrected and back on track. Yeah, so like you said, the first few races haven't been quite been where we wanted it to be. Um, Barber was a little uh, rocky start for us very quick, but um, never got it all, never put it all together. Um, my best finish was a fourth place, and... Um, just couldn't really do it at Barber. And uh, we got to, um, got to St. Pete and qualified third for race one and set and fifth for race two. And, um, there was a huge four car accident going into four at St. Pete in the first race. And that actually caused a red flag. We had to pull into the pit. And by the time that got all, all of that got cleared, we went out to do the restart. And as soon as I go into corner one, my former teammate flipped me. <laughs> yes, I saw the photos. Uh, look, yeah. if nothing else, the uh, the American judges gave you a ten. You know, granted that was. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if you want to be getting the gymnastic scores, but that quadruple Lindy flip or whatever you did, holy cow, man! Uh, the judges were impressed. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> yep, yep. That was. Um, I went. I went for the a pretty good ride there, and uh, you know, as as I. As I was in front of the stands, I got out. The car was halfway up the wall. It was on the side. I basically fell out of the car trying to get out. Um, and then I stood up, gave the gave the crowd a good show. I was like, yeah, I'm all right. So um, <laughs> I had to make it some somewhat interesting. Well, the old adage of spin, win, or be spectacular. 
Well, you got the last one covered off. Uh, so yeah. good on you there. You know, one of the fun things about young road to indie talent like yourself, there's always some surprises. So as an older person who's been around for a while, I just naturally think that a younger driver would have younger leanings uh, in terms of heroes. I was reading one of your one of the notes about you that terms of the person you'd love to meet again i'm thinking it's a lewis hamilton it's Na- whatever no nikki lauda right formula one legend yeah. who retired i don't know decades before you were born but right having never seen him raised live tell me how nikki lauda is someone who came to a place in, in your life where you're like wow if i got a chance to meet him that would be amazing uh-huh. I, all I know is that um, just from my knowledge of motorsports, Nicky Lauda is a legend. And I think everyone can agree on that. What he did for the sport and everything, what he contributed is just, I, I, I see him as a role model. And I see him as someone to look up to because if you can be the Nicky Lauda of today, you could do so much good for the sport as well. And I, I look back on him and I'm, I know he, uh, was it a year ago, two years ago? Did when he died? It was yeah. last year, right? I don't um, remember exactly, but yeah, within the last couple of years. And it would have been such an honor to meet him. Um, just from a standpoint as someone that hasn't quite made it yet and wants to leave a mark in the racing industry. And that's that's why I truly look up to Nikki Lauda. Well, He's someone who I guess really ran the gamut. We know him as multiple formula one world champion. We know him modern times as being really one of the the key voices uh, that helped the Mercedes formula one team go from being not great to great, obviously, but you look back to his entry into the sport and there's a lot of, Maybe there's less today, but there's been a lot of stigma over the years, Michael, of ride buyers. Oh, this person's not that talented. They are, they're having to pay to be in the sport or bring a sponsor. Or maybe it's family, right. whatever it is. And you go, well, what about Nikki? I mean, the guy truly took out a bank loan to uh, be able to do real things in motorsports. Ayrton right. Senna, who I know is a hero of yours extremely wealthy family that paid for a lot of his early career before it took off. So just you look at this guy and you think of what he achieved at the end and you wind the clock back. Uh, He's been a, someone that I've been a huge fan of for a long time as well. And I remember reading his autobiography and you go, wow, this takes away a lot of the, you know, mysterious stuff and makes him such a, a normal person's hero has a dream, has talent, doesn't have the means to do it all, yet won't be defeated. And, of course, there's the the movie Rush, which portrayed a lot of that, but he's just a real guy who took very practical approaches, refused to be denied. A lot of perseverance. Exactly. But I I love that, the fact that you've spotted these things. And it's always easy to go for the big, shiny stars that everybody knows, but... You've got one of yeah. the, the more cult stars on, on your heroes list, so I love that. So speaking of things that I love, and our friends at uh, The Road to Indy do a great job of asking young drivers like yourself 
some interesting things. This from you, it might be one of my favorite quotes I've read from a driver in a long time. Uh, this is talking about unusual routines and habits, Michael. And I'll quote you, and this is, this is excellent. I always get a burrito bowl at Chipotle because burritos are too messy, and it's difficult to get the last few pieces of food in a bowl. So when I get a burrito bowl, I finish the food in the bowl, then eat the burrito tortilla with either with, with the leftover food. No mess and no food left over. You are too <laughs> damn young to articulate this at such a high degree. So if nothing else, folks should know you're extremely intelligent. You're very, uh, you're a very well-planned person. Tell me about, come, forget race strategy. Okay, I'm starting third, but I'm going to go down the inside here and pass the person on the start. And I'm going to forget all that stuff. Tell me about this life strategy of burritos, burrito bowls, chipotle, and how to perfect getting every last ounce of food. This is fascinating to me. <laughs> oh, um, well, I, I wasn't the first one that figured this out, so... Oh, you just, you blew it. You just had the chance to take full credit and and amaze people. I know, but it wasn't my, my ideals is different from the reason why someone else did it is I fit. I saw like one of these taco bowls or whatever. And it's like, Oh, so you pour your, you put your food in the bowl and then you get to eat the bowl afterwards. And I'm like, huh? (laughs) All right. So what if I do that with Chipotle and just put the burrito in it and then, you can have that and no mess and all of your food is gone. Damn. And then I'm, and I put it, I put two in together and I'm like, Oh, okay. So we'll, um, instead of just getting a burrito or a bowl, you'd make it two things in one. And, um, it just came upon me one day. I didn't necessarily think about it too much. I was just like, that would, you know, that'd be great. That would, that's awesome. I would, I would pay as much as you would just for a bowl and, I get all of the food instead of saving the, leaving the rest of the rest of the scraps in the bowl. <laughs> Michael Dear Lando's life hacks. I I wish yeah. I had the little reggae horn <laughs> sound effect to throw here. You just blow yeah, up the show, but in the best possible way. Yeah, it's so weird. Sometimes my mind just thinks like that. It's like, oh yeah, this is this would be interesting. Just uh, you never think of it as to be a really big idea of it's just the little things that pop into my head. And it's like, Oh, that'd be cool. This that'd is flirting in willpower area, by the way. And I don't know if you follow that crazy Australian social media feed, but this, this is a little willpower and willpower is one of my favorite people. He's clinically insane, but you know, keep going. <laughs> don't pull back here, Michael, keep pushing. So let's, uh, let's close on a little bit of racing stuff, but also a little bit more personal stuff. So, you have the good fortune of being able to reach things on the highest shelves. You are a tall lad. I don't yes. know if you're going to continue. You're still young enough where there might be more growth coming, but you're certainly getting into that. You're already into that Graham Ray Hall, Justin Wilson. Wow. Six, three plus zone. How has that been a, area for you to manage and work with so far in your your young road to indie career knowing that while tatis does a great job at trying to accommodate everybody there are some cars that don't make it super easy for tall folks like yourself to be 100 percent comfortable doing your job 
Yeah, the being tall has its ups and downs, but um, I see it as a positive way is when you walk into a room, everyone knows it's you. <laughs> it's just like, who else is six foot four? And just like in every picture you see is smiling. I, that's one thing I always focus on as well Is I always got to focus on trying to smile as much as I can. Because you should look at Danny Ricardo in, in, in Formula One and every single photo you see of him is smiling. And I think that's really good to see. But um, that's just who I've been as well. But yeah, as a, as it is for being tall as well, it it hurts a little bit just in cart and cars trying to fit in things. So the reason why I didn't do F sixteen hundred and I just went from karting to USF two thousand was because I didn't fit in that F sixteen hundred car. I have no clue how Jackson Lee did it. <laughs> <laughs> I have no clue um, because I didn't fit and. Um, I'm just I'm super glad that the the Titus USF is long enough for drivers like me to fit in it. And yeah, we do have to curve our back a little bit. So if we sit in the car for long durations of time, like and just nonstop driving, I will get a little bit of back pain, but that's not much of an issue. Um, and it's normally like when you start focusing and you get more of that adrenaline rush, it, everything just goes away and you just start focusing on driving anyways. Um, and then now I'm actually super excited because I know the new uh, the new car is coming out, and uh, rumor has it that it's going to be a little longer. So that would be that would be really nice for all the taller guys like me. Um, but other than that, being tall is when you're in short areas, it hit your head a lot. Getting in and out of cars, <laughs> or street cars, if opening doors or something you hit your head on stuff it's just it's quite annoying but it's 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 you don't necessarily know the cons until you actually are and then uh six foot four and everyone's like oh yeah it's so great and yes it is great it honestly is great you just you stand out literally so much but um the it's thing we've learned today, Michael too. has a lumpy head. I think that's what we figured out here. You, you just constantly, you need to wear a helmet at all times. That's, I need to wear a helmet that's, all the time. That's what we figured out. Let's close on this, Michael. So it's still early ish in the season. You've done a great job of putting the negative stuff and the, the start to the season behind you with that win. Obviously, those points really important. You're now sitting here tied for third getting to second where Kiko is, getting to first where Yuvan is, definitely not out of the realm of possibility. What's your mindset going forward to try and finish out the season? Is it attack mode at all times? And if do you need to win the championship, you think, to graduate up to Indy Pro 2000? you feel like by the end of the year you should, be, you should have gotten everything out of USF 2000 that you needed? to leave it behind. Yeah. Um, as a goal is for the end of this year, winning the championship is definitely top, um, my, my goal. But when we go into every race, we can't be thinking of that. Uh, we take it one race at a time. If you focus, I feel like that whenever I focus on the end goal, I end up overthinking a lot of things. So instead i take it one race at a time so when we go to road america i'm just going to focus on road america i'm going to focus on the car focus on my driving and focus on doing the best i possibly can at that weekend and if the results come the results come and that's always how it's been for me the times that i have focused on the results and what i need to do 
instead of how I should, what I need to do to get there is, um, always puts me at a deficit. So that's, that's my mindset going in. That's, um, and I'm gonna try and keep a level head, try and stay happy because I know whenever I'm just letting it, letting things flow, letting my driving and, um, my love for the sport take over instead of overthinking everything. Um, I do way better that way. And, uh, that's going to be my mindset for the rest of the season. I know we still have 10 races left. Is it something like that? Yeah. Show up to most of them. I'd recommend that, you know, whatever, get get the most of them. That would help. Yeah. So, um, we still have more than half the season left and I know that anything can happen. I know we had a real rocky start at the beginning, but uh, if there's anything that I know I'm good at, it's comebacks. It showed that in DGP, didn't I? <laughs> keep yeah. pushing. Keep pushing. Well, thanks for taking some time, Michael. I always love catching up with some young next-generation talent. Super thankful, as always, to Cooper Tires, the Justice Brothers, and TorontoMotorsports.com for making the show possible, and in particular, Cooper Tires, for giving you and your competitors some awesome, awesome tires to work with and move up that ladder. Hopefully, we're doing future interviews with you as an NTT IndyCar Series driver. Michael Orlando, keep doing great stuff. Just like to thank everyone that's been helping me out uh, this season. And um, without them, I couldn't be in the position that I am. Focus Project Management, DD Collaborative, um, Rising Star Racing, of course, with Art Wilmus, uh, DL Energy Drink, UFC Gym, and MG Engineering. All of you guys, thank you so much. Look at that. He's a pro. He's got he's not even reading them. His eyes are closed. He just just the names flow. Maybe you have a future NASCAR. That was a little NASCAR-ish <laughs> with how you rattled all those off. So I love it. Michael, thanks again, brother. 